And welcome back in another edition Stripe Show podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day, folks. It's a Northwest Express version of the Monday pod this week. Skillist app, of course, our presenting sponsor here on Monday, along with uh, Encore Golf, Vero X1 Golf Ball. Great ball. If you haven't tried it, you need to go give it a shot. I'm here just north of uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, Hayden Lake, Idaho. Took a little break from the lake to come out here to talk to another Northwest guy. He's over in Seattle, Washington. You know him at Keith Bennett Golf. Keith, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for joining me. Travis, uh, truly honored, man. Uh, I got to say, when I was getting into the social media side of things and just golf instruction, uh, you were a big name out there, definitely an inspiration, and uh, watching you uh, has definitely has been cool, and uh, to chat with you is uh, is really special, so thanks for having me on. Hey, I appreciate that. You're doing a great job. Um, follow your stuff. As I know, you have a, you have a lot of followers. There are over 80,000, and you're doing a great job putting content out there that I think people can understand and apply good context and a lot of this content not just in the world of social media via instagram but also the skillist app where you've got a lot of online students across the country and really with the world people you haven't even met before that you're working on an ongoing basis we're going to look at a couple of these students here momentarily but just talk about the online platform and how it's uh, really helped your business yeah, it's been insane, to be honest. Um, I probably started like three and a half, almost four years ago. I remember having a first phone call with uh, Baden, who's uh, you know one of the creators of the app there. And uh, it was early days, man. Like he only had a few people on the app and he was super excited to have another instructor. And we had a chat for 30 minutes about kind of what it could be and what it is. And I had some questions and, and uh, but to see where it's grown to from then when I started to now is just, it's just nuts, you know, to have over, you know, 45 uh, full-time subscribers on the app and, and plenty of people just coming through, taking single lessons. Um, but just the ability to, to work with people, you know, all over the planet, as you said, is, is truly crazy in the year 2021 to be able to do that is, is awesome. And I think it's the greatest time if you're a golfer trying to get better because you have access to any coach that you want and you're not just confined to the pro that might be at the course nearest to you. Um, and with social media and things, you can actually go ahead and kind of see what that coach, his, his or her style is like and how they communicate and get a real feel for, Hey, I might be a nice fit with this coach before I even spend any money. You know, it's kind of a shame to go burn some money on a lesson if you, and, and find out pretty quick that it's not going to be for you. It, it probably feel pretty demoralizing and maybe even, you know, deter you from taking any further lessons. So I think it's, it's only going to get better, but it's a really cool time. Yeah, it is a cool time. And, and the app's very functional. It's very simple. Um, you know, they go in, they download the app and then they find their coach, whether it's me or whether it's you. And then they start the lesson and they upload video into the lesson, this face on view and this target line view. And I want to put up one of your students here from the target line view. And you can see here, he's, He's hitting out into a lake. But when you yeah. when you look at this swing and you look at this pattern, what are the things that you're seeing here? And then the things that you prescribe for him to do to get better? 
Yeah, absolutely. And you can see, I think one of the main things to point out here about online lessons is you don't have to be at a driving range. You know, I don't, I don't recommend smashing a ton of balls into, uh, into lakes, but obviously, you know, I've worked with students who are just making swings in their basement with a foam ball into a towel. So that's the cool thing about this as well. Um, but you know, for this student in particular, uh, main things there were that at the top of the backswing, we see the club shaft at a pretty, you know, laid off position. So very diagonal to what would be kind of the heel line or the target line. If that was a good reference point for the top of backswing, when the shaft reaches parallel to the ground at the top of backswing. So we see that, that shaft very much diagonal behind him in the, the toe of his golf club pointing very much down towards the ground. So that would, you know, kind of an indicator of an open club face. So what he did and what a lot of golfers will do from there is they are going to really pull on the handle. So they're going to pull on the butt end of that grip and, and get that club to go pretty vertical in the early stages of the downswing. So that verticality of the shaft early in the downswing is going to cause him to really have to make some sort of compensations. Um, and he was struggling with low point control, uh, start line control, and of course, you know, shot shape. So, you know, when you have that much concern, it's not, you know, there needs to be some pretty decent changes going on there. Um, and so, yeah, we, we definitely discussed, okay, here's what's happening. Obviously with anything you want to make sure the student understands what's going on. And then from there, talk through why things need to change. I think it's really important for them to be on on the same page as to why they're doing what they're doing. That way, if it's not going so great immediately, that they're still going to plug away and understand the importance of that. So when you go after this club shaft and this club face here at the top, did you yep. what what were the what were the factors that you changed to to get the face more square and then the shaft to perhaps point? what he probably felt a little more across the line. Exactly. And this brings us to a good point of when you have somebody with a club shaft in that laid off a position, like you just alluded to uh, one of the keys I did give him was, Hey, this is probably going to feel, and I want you to rehearse like that club is actually going a little across the line at the top of the backswing um, and showing him that, Hey, if, if you're going to rebound to somewhere in the middle, for you, what you've been doing, this pattern you've been creating for a while, you're going to have to feel the the opposite of that pattern to land somewhere in the middle. And so we had plenty of back and forths where he was showing me some rehearsals where he was trying to get that club shaft a little bit more across the line. And then in the early stages of the takeaway, just past club shaft first parallel to the ground in the backswing, we saw that the toe of his golf club and the face was really rolling up towards the sky, which was promoting that open club face at the top of the backswing. So you could have somebody who's laid off, you know, kind of a la John Rahm, who's got the club in a very strong position, you know, face and, and do just fine. But in his mm -hmm. instance, his face was wide open. So we really made sure that he kept the grooves of that club face parallel to his spine angle for as long as he could in the backswing, uh, kind of keeping his, his trail hand sort of more palm that left palm more down towards the ground as long as he could. And and that movement alone actually helped him to orient the shaft in a better position. Yeah. So the, so the first move halfway back in, in getting that better position then then helped the position at the top. And we know that when you, when you look at the top of the swing and, and let's just talk about the club shaft, like when the club shaft gets laid off, it's very easy then to pull down that handle and then the shaft wants to go through a little bit of a steepening mechanism. Although with this particular swing, you know, he, he, he we've certainly seen a lot steeper, right. And a lot more yes. coming from out to in. So 
as you work the shaft and you just get the shaft more across the line, then we know that shaft then wants to kind of go back the other way in transition, which, yep. you know, it's kind of more of a shallowing effect. So generally speaking, you know, a little more across the line versus laid off generally, at least my preference, um, has a better net effect to that shaft and what it wants to do on the downswing. And then of course the club face and getting that club face to be just more shut uh, in that first part of the move. And I know you're really big on feel versus real Yep. where it's like, Hey, I want you to feel this, but the reality is it's probably somewhere in between, right? It's like that player laid off and then you're like, let's feel it really across the line. And you may show that to them. You're like, Oh wow, that is. And then when they go to hit it, it's like, it's not as exaggerated more times than not. Right. Oh, every time, every single time. And I think the biggest part of this online lesson experience from, from, from what I've uh, encountered is just helping golfers to understand the importance of filming their own practice sessions. If, if they get nothing else, it's, it's learning how the, how to set the camera up, how to film and what to look for, because just from my own experience, improving my own golf game, that's the only way that I would know what I was feeling is actually translating into what I'm doing in actuality, not what I feel or think I'm doing, but what is actually happening, you know, in the, in the camera, the camera lens is, is an objective feedback source. It's never going to lie to you. It can't, it can't fool you or make you feel good about yourself. It's just going to show you what is happening. And so giving those cues of, Hey, let's go across the line with the club shaft at the top. And of course you have to let them know like, Hey, we are probably not going to get to that position. I'm not suggesting that that's the end product, but in you sensing that we're probably going to land where we need to. And I usually get some comments afterward from them like, Oh yeah, you know, I, I, I felt that exaggeration, but sure enough, we got the club shaft right where we were talking about. And I didn't, I didn't realize that that's what it had to feel like to get the club where, where we were talking about. Right. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you such a great example this week with Lucas Glover, um, winning yeah. the John Deere classic, there was a swing that I posted here this morning in, in a breakdown. And it's, it's the, it's a great example because he's just taken this first halfway position, very similar to what you just talked about. And yeah. you can see him looking at it. And like the club head is out, you know, it's out in front of his hands and the face is looking down yeah. and you can see there's, if I had to guess, he's exaggerating the club head more out in front of him, yeah, out in front of the hands. And then when he goes to hit it, you can see how it's not as exaggerated. In fact, it's right on his toe line. So even at that level, this exaggeration is so key. And most of the time the player can't overdo it. And, and, and even if they did, it's probably going to work to their, their benefit. Even if that lefty yeah. got the face a little too shut yeah. and the club maybe actually indeed slightly across the line. I, I mean, okay, now let's, let's go run with that a little bit. And if that becomes problematic, which it probably wouldn't, it would probably gravitate itself back a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's such a good point that the exaggeration feel versus real. How many times are you saying that, you know, in a lesson or, in an oh, yeah. online video. Um, so this player who now has the face more square and more, let's call it online at the top, um, he's less apt to pull it down now or in, in, in really now get the club maybe shallowing a bit, would you say, coming down? Absolutely. And also the way that his, his forearms and wrists were working up to the top to get him into that better position. 
they have a better chance to right work in the proper sequencing to get the club shaft to flatten. So, you know, there is, there's a couple ways you can talk through any of these changes. You can take it more from a body focused approach, like, Hey, I need your forearms and wrists to do this. Or you can take it more from a, Hey, let's see the shaft and the face working through these sort of spaces in, in time and in reference to your, to your target line or whatever you want to use as a reference. Um, and some players respond better to more of a body approach and some players respond better to more of a, a where that, you know, thinking about where the golf club should be and then letting their body just kind of be the vessel for moving that club through, through space. So, you know, I always ask each player, Hey, how do you learn best? You know, how do you receive feedback the best? How do you like to, you know, how do you like to take these, these changes on? Um, and in this player's case, it was more of a, uh, thinking about what the club was doing. So I, you know, I sort of simply said, okay, on video, Hey, I want to see that club shaft kind of on your left forearm just prior to club shaft parallel on the downswing and, and him rehearsing that. And I told him, you know, I had him actually duct tape a, a T like just a, you know, a T to his club face and said, Hey, I want the T pointing basically along your left forearm line as well. So I want those two parallel points. Um, and, and th that for him seemed like it was an easier way to, to conceptualize it. So every golfer is different. So I, I really make sure that I have that distinction in mind before I go to work uh, with a player. So yeah, but the, just me knowing how, the body in the club works, you know, a lot of times the player doesn't need to know all of that to play good golf. And sometimes they don't want to know it. Um, they want to be a little bit more athletic. So, you know, what you can know and what you need to know about the golf swing can be two different things. And, um, but yeah, in this situation, it made it a lot easier. Now we still got some work to do. We're still working on it. Um, he still likes to jump up on his toes a little bit because that's what he had to do in the old move. Um, so it's a, it's a progression, right? And I want to make sure that they understand that. Rapsodo Mobile Launch Monitor. Improve your golf swing today. Pro-level launch data in the palm of your hand. It is very accurate within 2% of a $20,000 unit. The Rapsodo MLM app automatically tracks stats and stores video with Shot Tracer. Helpful for club gapping and understanding true distances for each club. Rapsodo MLM provides immediate feedback data and creates a better practice environment not mindlessly hitting balls extremely portable cases about the size of a rangefinder and you know what you can use it both indoors and outdoors i love this launch monitor it's the rapsodo mobile launch monitor check it out at rapsodo.com r-a-p-s-o-d-o.com rapsodo.com yep all right let's go to the second video here because um, this is a player, right-handed player now hitting into the net. And this is what I love about this. Um, yeah. you know, you don't like, you don't have to go to the course to sit here and develop. And it's always, right. it's, it's always funny sometimes, uh, to see these videos coming in and where yeah. they're hitting balls and things like that. So I love it. This guy's got his net in the back. Now I, I look at this way, very well structured at the top club face, yeah. club shaft. Talk about this downswing and exit plane and what this player maybe was struggling with and where he went. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you just paused him at the top, you'd be like, oh, he's going to hit, you know, he can hit some good shots from there, which he's certainly capable of doing. Um, but what he was complaining about were heel strikes, uh, you know, the occasional shanks um, and also big 
big push draws, right? So big push draws and big blocks. Uh, and you can see from that video in the downswing, uh, his swing direction is probably a good 10 to 15 degrees to the right on any given golf swing. You know, when you have the golf club moving that much from in to out in regards to the target line, you're going to be prone to some heel hits and you're going to be prone to some of the occasional off the hosel. And, and that's just kind of what happens. So I told him, I said, Hey, we look great at the top of the backswing. I love it. And that's a, that's big, but we need to get that club moving more left of the target line, right? You hear that a lot kind of exiting left or swinging left. Um, and that's exactly what we went to work on. We went to work on helping him understand the visual of how the shaft of the club should work relative to the target line. And here comes back to your feel versus real conversation we had a second ago. It might feel to this golfer like he's swinging over the top from the top of his backswing down into the golf ball. And he's still going to be coming into out and still hitting draws, but he'll be playing more of a functional draw pattern in, in finding the center of the face more. Yeah. So interesting on this one, you talked about the heel strike and the shank. Um, because of that more excessive in the out, the hands maybe wanting to run away from the body through impact yeah. and the shaft exiting fairly high above that lead shoulder, where the video that we looked at before, that shaft steepening in transition can make it very clunky on the toe through the stripe. Yes. So heel versus toe and cleaning up that contact is something we're doing all the time in online lessons. So you get this club now swinging, as you said, feels like he's coming over the top and exiting more left. Is that a feeling yeah. that for this player, he's feeling like, like the handle, like left, or is he doing it more through the orientation of the body? As you mentioned that the difference between feeling the body doing it versus maybe just, you know, with the hands and arms and the handle. Yeah. So this player was a little bit of a combo of both. Um, you know, when you have that hand path runoff and that club shaft club head runoff to the right, like that, what you can experience and in, in tend to see is a lot of right side bend. So that right shoulder really dipping down towards the ground in transition. So for this player is almost like if you take a look at, uh, you know, like a, like a Norin kind of practice swing um, where that left shoulder is really diving into the ground and kind of getting closer to his left knee and the, and the handle and club are both working excessively left, like almost trying to take a big old leftward divot. Um, you know, that's kind of what we talked about. I actually sent him uh, some video of that Norin rehearsal. Cause I think that's such a good, that is like the ultimate field versus real uh, scenario right there. And, and uh and so he was like, oh, you know, and, and, and still when you're, when you're not a, a, a professional golfer, sometimes it's hard to commit to that much of an excessive feel or exaggeration. But even if this player in this example took a, a, a small amount of that, he would still start to see a club path that's less into out better contact, uh, actually some downward angle of attack, some, some negative angle of attack, right? He was probably hit, almost hitting up on his irons with his move before he was so shallow. And, uh, and so you're going to get some benefit, even if they're not going fully towards that, that range of exaggeration you want them to. Um, and, and once they start to see the differences and you go, okay, they send you a video next week and you're like, wow, we got that club shaft in a better spot, blah, blah, blah. They start to get excited. And, and then they, they can maybe buy in a little bit more as well. 
Yeah, they, when they start seeing the improvement, um, obviously in the ball flight, but then the videos and the, and the difference um, from say one month to the next, yeah, is is really where you you start, you know, gaining and, and developing more skill. And the second player, more times than not, when you see this pattern versus the guy before, the second player is probably the better player in the ability to hit it from the inside, hit the push draw. We know that's going to probably be more conducive into the middle and longer irons and hybrids and drivers. Um, So we're, you know, I, I always, I have a a program that's called operation baby draw and it's, it's, it is the number one program that I sell training program and it's designed for, to get people to be able to draw the ball because we all know that, you know, the steepness out to end pass, all the things are leading amateur golfers down that line. So when you start decompressing them of steepness and the face is now more shut, the path is more into out, you know, there's a lot of people that would look at the swing and say, I would kill to have that swing because if they had that right. swing, they would, they would not be a 20 handicap anymore or 16 that more than likely would start moving into that high single digit. And then as we start working down into low single digits is when you start looking at a player like this, who's pretty well structured, good downswing. And now this exit plane is really clean. Um, you know, that's what we watch on TV. That's what we see with Lucas Glover, who, um, when you, when you look at that video, you see the difference in Lucas Glover, that chef exiting kind of under his lead shoulder where this gentleman, the club exiting, you know, very high. And he's working to get that to be a little bit more left. I, I love when you can get a player now to this part of the development where, you know, they've learned so much now to this point. And when you can just start working on that exit plane, wow. I mean, they're in a great yeah. spot because you know, now that dispersion really starts to come in very, very tight. Um, you know, as you, as you start cleaning things up. So, yeah, I love the difference in these two swings. Um, and this is a target line view, right? So we see this from the target line. Do you all, yep. you also like to see them send it from face on, right? The camera right now is looking at me face on. So, you like to see that view also? Yep. Of course. Yep. Definitely like to see the face on view a lot. I, I think for me, seeing how their setup looks, their body tilts, and also their grip, how they hold the golf club is a big one for me uh, yeah. as well. And what their what their movements of the shaft have over time sort of morphed their grip into. And as you well know, it's it's usually not like one thing is leading to one thing. It's usually one thing led to another. Then they they experimented changing something minutely. And then that turned into changing their ball position, which turned into changing their alignment, which now they're so lost that they don't even really know what to change. And I think when most people come to come for lessons, it's, it's, they've, they've just kind of, they had a crossroads they could have taken, right. They could have taken the right path and they took the left path instead. And that led them down into about, you know, three to five different, manipulations and now they're kind of pretzeled in their brain and and so if i can see both angles i can pretty much from the amount of swings i've seen nowadays to do so okay you started doing this because of that and then that happened because of this right so if we just kind of get you to understand the the compounding effect here it can help them to unpretzel their brain a little bit and kind of start to see the light at the end of the tunnel a lot of these golfers are just feeling not hopeless but you know like don't you know not knowing where to turn Um, and I think that's why just like a month or two of online lessons is enough to get these folks back 
into a, a good state of mind and knowing, knowing what to go to the range to practice. I mean, a lot of, a lot of folks just go to the range and hit balls and, and, and they just are hoping for a good outcome and, and they get into a groove enough that they start hitting some good balls. They, they think things are good and then it falls apart on the golf course. So helping them to know what to do when they go to the range is, is a big one as well. One of the questions that came in here um, for the podcast is on trajectory and talks about he hits, he hits the ball way too high and particularly with his irons straight up in the air, super high, a lot of spin. What, what would be kind of a A, B, C type of thing for this person to check to, to start lowering that launch angle in particularly he's mentioning his short to mid irons. Yeah. Short to mid irons. I mean, for me, I like to see a little bit more pressure left on that front foot with a short to mid iron. So no, for me, if I'm working through an online lesson, what I've kind of helped to be, to be uh, relatable is if you've ever stepped on like a bathroom scale and kind of in, in sort of push down on that scale, you sort of see the number, the pounds of pressure spike up. So kind of like to tell people, Hey, let's spike that scale under your left foot to about 60 pounds of pressure. So kind of really feeling like there's some pressure under that left foot. A lot of people start back on that right side and they end up staying back there. Um, and then from there, I like to see a real centered turn. So making sure that their, their pelvis and sternum are staying on top of one another as they turn that trail hips going back around them as that, that lead shoulder goes back towards the golf ball. Um, and then it's all about club face from there. Most people who are hitting their irons really high have an open club face coming into the ball. And then, they're flipping at it to, to try to square it up. And, and that flip is what adds loft to the golf club. So something like a Lucas Glover, like you were saying that, that initial rehearsal, that backswing is fantastic for like every amateur golfer. Like if they could all just be working on that right there, that would be enormous. Uh, the first four feet of that backswing, just getting that club face a little bit more down uh, club head a little outside the hand. So they're not pulling it inside so much. And getting the club face under control actually allows you to lean the shaft just a hair and to deal off the face for some good compression. So you got pressure forward, making sure that your sternum and pelvis are turning on top of one another in the backswing and then getting control over your club face so that you've got an opportunity to lean the shaft forward a little bit more and into impact. You know, I'll just go in there and like you're saying, they open that face and then they get, you you know, a lot will get, you know, a lot of extension in the lead wrist and, and then, you know, they got to, then they got to flip it. Right. And, What's interesting sometimes is players who hit it high, all, you oftentimes will hit it very straight too, because, you know, they'll, they'll do that. They'll let the shaft out to overcome that open face to get the face looking down the line and they'll hit it with a very neutral shaft, but the ball goes really high, but they can usually hit it pretty straight. You know, um, it's certainly a better yeah. mechanism than just saying coming way over the top and wiping across it. So when you start getting that face yeah. prepared with some flexion, if they come down and they, they throw it, they're like, Oh my gosh, I hit it to the left. So it's oftentimes, as you were yeah. saying, getting that face more shut, that lead wrist, I'll just go in there. And if I need to, and just like, this is what flexion feels like, you know, here's flexion, here's extension. And they start feeling that yep. whether up here or coming down. And then they're like, Oh, okay. Now I can just turn the shafts forward. And, and that's usually a very, aha moment right when that ball flight comes down i'm a huge fan you know in the development as you look at players that little push draw learning how to do that if they don't know how to do it 
and then and then teaching them how to hit that little three-quarter yeah. trap pitching wedge nine iron where they can control the trajectory. And and wow, they're really on their way at that point because they're really now they're really set up to rotate, you know, and just work on that exit plane. Um, yeah. and they have so many good components. So that's a good question. I thought would be one that a lot of people can relate to. Here's the last one here. And um, I'm sure you hear this a lot, Keith, is the old chicken wing, right? The old, oh, yeah. you know, funny. it's funny. You can, you can show someone from face on a swing Yep. and there could be 50 things in our head. And there's one thing that stands out to an amateur and that's, oh my gosh, look at my lead elbow, right? Like, like that's, that's always it. the first thing they say. I can't look at my elbow. You know, and, yep. and yet as a teacher, you're looking at all the things that are happening before that. And right. where does that come from? And how do I get this to fold over? And what are some things that you're seeing that are leading to that chicken wing? Yeah. Um, it's so funny. Like you said, you could, you could talk, you could say whatever you want. And then they're going right for that. You know, my, my, my buddy says my elbow's flying and I can't get rid of this chicken wing. It's like, and, and like you said, you're trying to explain, okay, well, a, B, and C are leading to D. And if we can change those, then we'll change that. Um, but for me, if we think about that, what I've experienced is that chicken wing is usually coming from an excessive out to in club path with an open face. And that, that raising of the lead elbow off the rib cage actually acts as a way to hold that club face from shutting. So if that club path were to be from excessively outside in the target line and they were to keep that elbow up against their rib cage and kind of let that roll over the way you want it to, they're going to hit it so far low. They're going to hit so far low and so far left that it's actually, they're going to play worse. So like you said, we got to address, Hey, in the downswing, let's see where that shaft is coming from. I bet you if that shaft starts coming from a little bit more from the inside or that club head feeling like it stays kind of behind your, 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 you know, your trail butt cheek or your, your trail, you know, behind your body in the downswing. And now that club head starts working more in line with the target. I bet you nine times out of 10, we're going to start to see that, that's that chicken wing start to roll, start to go away. So I've, I've seen it personally more of like a, a subconscious level learned over time to save the club face and to actually save their ball flight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I need to like shallow it out to some degree because it's oftentimes it's coming down so steep and at them, like they have to, you know, get so the club steep. out of it, get the club yeah. out of the crowd. And, and, and once they start improving that path and then you start to see that really start to change. Sometimes like it's, it's stubborn, you know, that elbow can be very stubborn. So once it's cleaned up, then, then maybe they can start to feel, you might have to get in there and show them some release as well, because the old chicken wing for years and years, you know, that way coming across it, then they get the path, right. It starts to improve, but sometimes it, you know, it can still float because it's so stubborn and you'll have to get in there and clean it up. But it is, there, there could, there could be a bomb going off in the swing. And the only thing that they see is that, <laughs> right. And it's, it's yeah. like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to it. But here's A, B, and C, and I think you you articulated right. it perfectly. So it's fun, man. Everybody's so different in in swings, and you know the analysis is key. It gives them context, but then your prescription of okay, here's what I want you to do, is then the videos that you then 
put into their plan where they can go in now and watch not only their analysis, but the plan that you said, here's what we're doing. Here's A, here's B, here's C. Yep. We understand it. Now go work on it. We'll re-video it in a couple of weeks or a month, whatever. And then they resubmit and then you're able to pull it back up and say, okay, yeah, we're improving here. Okay. A little bit more here. You know, so it's just this ongoing or if, if they want to, and some just maybe want a little sneak peek in some context and some direction. So it, it can work yep. either way. Um, but the skills app is great. You're one of the top teachers on there. And uh, I really appreciate you jumping on the podcast here. Go check it out at Keith Bennett golf and uh, take a lesson from him. If you want to take a lesson from me, Keith or any of the teachers on the skillless app, you can use the promo code stripe show, all capital stripe show and get 10% off any package that you like. Keith, I appreciate you coming on. I know you're going to tee it up today on a Monday and I'm sure you're packed there in, yeah. uh, in Seattle, Washington. It's, it's fun to talk to a fellow Northwestern, man. This is uh, this has been cool. Yeah, Travis, like I said, really appreciate uh, talking to you and, uh, you know, appreciate everything you're doing for the golf industry and, and you know, kind of moving the, the social media awareness of online instruction along, um, you know, Skillist has been phenomenal to me and their support of all of us coaches. They are always trying to do things to make the experience better for coaches and for students. So I think it's only going to get better, more accessible more accepted as a way to, as a way to learn. So really looking forward to what the next like five to 10 years of online instruction look like. I think we're going to see some wild stuff and, and hopefully it leads to, to more improvement for, for golfers and, and getting people more out on the golf course. That's what it's all about. But uh, yeah, thanks again, man. It, it was a pleasure. You bet. All right. Stripe show pod, check it out each day here throughout the week. Got a great lineup. We'll get, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, a little fantasy golf with um, bringing back Skylar hook. Who knows everything about the European Tour? I'm going to lean on this week with the Open Championship here, the last major. Keith Bennett, thanks so much. We'll see you tomorrow on the Stripe Show podcast. I just want to interrupt this interview real quick and give a shout out to my friends over at Encore Golf. Encore provides some of the most cutting edge technology in a golf ball that I have ever seen. Their team in Buffalo, New York is changing the script of golf technology through their perimeter-weighted designs, which offer players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course. With their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show.